Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Church. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jacob as well. We shout Jesus to every mountain. We shout Jesus to every obstacle. Zechariah says, grace, grace to this mountain, and it shall be made plain. We shout Jesus to every mountain. We shout that most powerful name. Father, we thank you for breakthrough this morning. Oh, Rabasaka Rababa. There's nothing like the name of Jesus. No other name by which man can come into salvation. There's no other name given unto man. Except that name, Jesus. We thank you for the name this morning. We thank you, Father. We thank you for every person in this room and watching by live stream. And I thank you for the anointing that makes preaching easy. I thank you, Father, that you've given me a word this morning. And I thank you that I would communicate it. Father, we thank you for Buddy who's watching right now. And Lord, we speak healing to his body. We curse cancer at its root. We command pancreatic cancer to dry up and die in the name of Jesus. We speak to Dina's body right now. We speak healing to her knee. We command the cartilage to be restored right now in Jesus' name. Father, we speak healing over Shelly this morning. We speak rest and wholeness over her right now in Jesus' name. We thank you for every miracle in this room and over the internet this morning, God. You are the God of miracles and we thank you for that this morning. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, say amen. 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 Now, don't take your seats. Just go ahead and sit, because if you take them, we we won't have them. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go ahead, Jess. Thank you. Hallelujah. Tana, so good to see you, my friend. Welcome. Hallelujah. During worship, I began to feel the Lord move prophetically, and I want to get into the Word, but Bryant, I've got a word for you. The Lord said, contracts, 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 not someone else's, but your own. The Lord says, you're going to begin to access your own contracts, and it's going to bring in double what you currently have, and it's going to free up your time. So the Lord says, it's time. I saw calendar pages flip, and what I saw is when it reached uh, the month of January, across the month of January, I saw the words, it is time. And so the Lord says, it's time for your own contracts to free up your time, because you're going to begin to move into some new things, says the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Turn in your Bible to Exodus chapter 17. That's where we're going to be this morning is Exodus chapter 17. I'm going to cover a few verses before we get there, but why don't you put your finger there. Uh, We're talking about life on mission. We began this series last week, life on mission, and the mission was invasion. We are called to invade the places of darkness with the gospel and take back territory that the enemy has taken from us. How many of you want your stuff back? How many of you have gone through a season where it feels like you lost a whole bunch of ground, but the Lord's saying it's time to take it back? We are living on mission, and our goal is to bring the kingdom of God to the earth And so last week we spoke of the position we find ourselves in, that we are an army dressed for battle. We are an army standing together against the enemy and his troops. And the ultimate goal, the ultimate goal was to overcome. That's the ultimate goal of every believer is to overcome. 
So we, sto- we, we spoke about schemes that work against us to defeat us, things, thinking, behavior, those things around us. And Revelation 2.26 is the verse we ended with last week. And it says this, He who overcomes and who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. How many of you are ready to have some authority over nations? See, when the children of Israel were coming into the promised land, God spoke prophetically to them and said, I will cause you to conquer these nations. And I could spend a whole series talking about the nations that they had to overcome. But here's our title text this morning. Exodus chapter 17 and jump down to verse 8. And this is what it says. I'm reading out of the King James this morning for this verse alone or for this, this section alone. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua, and I love this word, discomfited. We don't use that in our language anymore. Discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. For he said, because the Lord hath sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. I know I've already prayed, but I'm going to pray again. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. It's alive. It's active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. And Father, I thank you that it goes forth to accomplish that which you have sent it to do. That, Father, your word this morning is going to transform us. That we're going to have an encounter with the word of God. We thank you, Father, that you are in this room, Holy Ghost. You are in this room. I thank you for having your way in this room. And I thank you for the anointing that makes preaching easy, that this morning we might accomplish that which you send us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe this battle is one of the best examples for the New Testament church about how to stand against the enemy and his hordes. It's how to support and work with each other to ensure spiritual victory and overcoming. Because I want to say something to you this morning. The battle is on. You need to understand that the battle is on. We are not not in a war. You are in a war for your soul, for your inheritance, for your promises. And listen, it's a lot bigger than just America. This has to do with the kingdom of God and the gospel going forth into every part of the world. He cannot return until the gospel has been preached to every creature. 
And you need to understand this this morning, that the enemy wants to shut your mouth. That your victory is in what you say and how you operate in this season. And some of you have been fighting with people rather than your enemy. Your season has been delayed because you got stuck in what the person said and not what the enemy was doing. Some of you have got caught in the gossip of people and not the words of the enemy. And if you'd learn to open your ears to the word of the Lord and begin to war against your enemy, you'd realize the gossip of people has no room in your life. So this battle here is the very first battle. You know, in, in studying scripture, there's a, a law and it's called the law of first mention. So whenever something is first mentioned in Scripture, it is something to take note of. And so the law of first mention teaches us this, that when we see an example set in Scripture, we need to pay attention to that from there on. So if this is the very first battle that the children of Israel are going to fight in their journey to possess their promises, we should take note of it. This is something we should pay attention to. It's the very first one. Out of their bondage of Egypt, they've come through the Red Sea. That wasn't a battle. That was just crossing over. Now, it was a battle with their emotions. It was a battle with fear. But I'm talking about the first hand-to-hand combat that the children of Israel were going to face on the other side of the Red Sea in possessing their promise. Amalek rises up and says, we're going to take these guys out. And so here they are. And Moses says to Joshua, head up the army. I'm going to go to the top of the hill and I'm going to pray. I'm going to stand at the top of the hill while you war. And Moses was seeking to prevail in the spirit. Moses understood something here. Because we need to understand this. What is happening on earth is only a reflection of what is happening in the realm of the spirit. Ephesians 6.12 says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. We would take care to understand the driving background of the forces of much of what we face. Much of what we face is not what we think it is. Because suddenly, have you ever been in a situation where suddenly someone starts to react to you? Why don't they like me? I didn't do anything. It's confusing. Why did that person just blow up at me? I I was just minding my own business. Karen, where did you come from? (laughs) This person, they might be unable to see reason. Have you ever dealt with an unreasonable person? No matter how logical you are, they just can't get it. Now, sometimes it's because of their brokenness. We need to recognize we live in a world of broken people. We all have our brokenness that we are working through. Well, at least we should be working through it. That's a whole other message. Because some of us carry our brokenness like it's a badge. But even in that case, spiritual forces will use this brokenness to create unreasonable responses. And the overreaction is simply because demonic forces have waged war into your environment to create this scenario. The enemy is seeking your destruction. Now, y'all know me. I don't like to focus on what the enemy's doing. 
I love to, to keep my eyes set on the kingdom of God. I think people who are always demon hunting, they've got it out of balance. They're, they're stuck in the demonic. They're stuck in darkness. I look at what Jesus is doing and I keep my eyes there. And when the enemy pops up, he's already defeated. Because I don't war for victory. I war from victory. Victory has already been established in me on this side of the cross. I don't have to live for victory. I already have it because of what Jesus paid for. And too many people are trying to get victory, and so they war as though they're already defeated. I don't war from a place of defeat. When I see cancer in front of me, I see cancer from this side of the cross, not from the other side of the cross. I've already exchanged it at the cross. I don't have to see it from a place of defeat. I see it from the place of victory. And so when we war from the place of victory, then our whole perspective changes because I begin to see my enemy is not flesh and blood. My enemy is not that person. It is their brokenness or it is the spiritual forces seeking to capitalize on what they're going through. But it happens in all sorts of dimensions. Whether it's stupid things happening at work. How many of you have stupid things happen at work? People becoming jealous and divisive. Someone is always argumentative. A person constantly undermining authority. Critical gossiping. Some of it's natural. Some people just need to get their flesh under control. Uh, let, let's get real, right? We can't blame everything on the devil. Some of it is just you. But with that, the enemy will capitalize on your flesh flash. He will take that moment of flesh and go, hoo-hoo, magnify it, set a fire. That's what he loves to do. Some of it's natural, it's brokenness, or maybe the example they've been given through their family background. But there will always soon be spiritual forces stirring the situation to amplify it to make it worse. This is life. The enemy will take, what is that old saying, make a mountain out of molehill, right? And that's why we must be vigilant to understand these driving forces resisting our lives. Many times I've gone into homes and maybe certain situations or activities are constantly creating problems. Maybe, for example, with their children. Barbara, can I share the example of what we did at your home? Is that okay? Barbara had called me and said, I'm, I'm just not able to rest in my home. There's all sorts of stuff happening. And, and so I love to ghost bust. It is one of my favorite things to do. It is fun. And so I walked into her house and immediately I could feel things that had been going on there. And so we walked around her house and I just asked questions. Did, did someone do witchcraft in this room? And she goes, yeah, there was actually a woman who lived with me for a while who was into witchcraft. I said, well, she opened a demonic portal here. We got to close that. In one, one uh, closet, I could literally see with my eyes a noose hanging from the ceiling. Because suicide had been so real in that room. And so we ghost busted it. House is better, right? Because there are demonic forces at work. See, we've had this thing in our culture, especially in the charismatic culture in the last 15 years, that the pendulum has swung so much. You've got one side who says, oh, there's no demons at all. Don't worry about the demons. Just ignore the fact they even exist. And you look at their lives and you go, you got some demons. <laughs> and then you've got the other side that's everything's a demon. I mean, I tripped and it was a demon. My breakfast was cold. It was a demon. I was late to work. It was a demon. No, you didn't set your alarm. That's a natural consequence. And right here in the middle, 
is where we need to find ourselves. We have a real enemy who is seeking to destroy our lives, seeking to, seeking to steal from us, seeking to take our territory, and God wants to give it back. And so we come to this example of this battle that takes place. And a problem develops so often for us because in verse 17 it says this. I'm sorry, not verse 17, verse 12. It says, but Moses' hands were heavy. He got tired. How many of you ever been tired? Ever been weary? You're just fighting and you're fighting and you're fighting. And prayer can be like that. See, it wasn't I just walked into Barbara's house and we were done in 10 minutes. I mean, we spent a good amount of time. I've sat across from people in counseling sessions, taking them through deliverance and counseling. And it takes time. And you can get weary. You can battle something for so long, your arms get to get tired. And we can struggle in prayer against something. And sometimes the battle just wears you down. I was talking to someone this week. They had prayed for a miracle for 21 years. 21 years. And this wasn't a small little miracle. This was a huge miracle. And this person said, I was getting tired of praying. I had reached the place of exhaustion. I just couldn't do it anymore. I was tired. And Moses was tired. Now, sometimes a battle doesn't take that long. But we've been praying for Pastor Anna's miracle. She's been praying for it since she was 16. 15, 16, 17 years. I won't give her age because I can't remember what it is. But Elijah, we talked about Elijah several months ago. Seven times he had the servant go check. And he continued to travail in prayer. And he continued to pray and to pray and to pray. And two answers came to Moses for his weariness in prayer. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. These two things that I believe God wants to do in your life this morning that will shift the battle because the battle's on. The first thing is they brought him a stone to sit on. It says, but Moses' hands were heavy and they took a stone and put it under him. 1 Corinthians 10.4 says this, And all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Jesus, the rock. The Bible says in Matthew 21, 42 and 44, it says this, Jesus said to them, did you, ever, did you never read in the Scriptures a stone which the builders rejected? This has become the chief cornerstone. This came about from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruit. And the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and on whomever it falls, it will crush him. Sometimes we just need to fall back on the Lord. Yes, there's a crushing that takes place in our falling back on the Lord. That's what the Bible says. It says, when you fall on Him, it breaks you to pieces. But some of us need to get broken again. Some of us need to get back to that place where we are broken before the Lord. We fought for so long and we can take pride in our battle. We can declare to people, oh, I'm just fighting. I'm just fighting. But on the inside, we've grown bitter in the fight. On the inside, we've we've developed these attitudes about the fight and we've glorified the fight over the one who wins the fight 
And so we've got to fall back on the Lord Jesus Christ because there will come a point in our lives where if we don't fall on the rock, the rock will fall on us. And so they brought him a stone to sit on. And he sat down on the rock. And what a brilliant thing because upon Jesus I want to fall realigning myself back to dependence on Him, reminding myself, without Him I can do nothing. The warfare is not my own. I couldn't, I couldn't fight without Him. I will amount to nothing in reminding myself that victory belongs to Jesus. Philippians 2.13 For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. I have to have a constant reminder that it is Jesus who is working in me and through me. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves upon the mighty under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Y'all, this is so key. That we cast ourselves upon the rock. We cast all our anxiety, all of our fear, all that is in us on Him. Because they brought Him a stone to sit on. I've got to pause for just a moment because there's this couple back here and the Lord will not let me go of this. This couple sitting right back here by Jessica. I, I, don't, I don't know y'all. I've never seen you before. But the Lord will not let me get away from you as I'm preaching. He's distracting me so I've got to be obedient. I don't know where you come from or who you are. I've never met you before. At least I don't think I have. Maybe I have, but I forget people. But I don't think I've met you before. But the Lord began to highlight you as I was preaching. And He began to say that the season has come to an end. That there was a season that you had walked in where it was like trudging through mud. Because you were trying to stay. You were trying to keep it going. You were trying. But it was like trying to walk through thick, thick mud. But the Lord says that season's come to an end. And I'm bringing you out of that. I'm bringing you out of the mud. You're a dreamer. There is a dreaming gift on the inside of you. And there is an ability where God will speak to you before a season ever comes to pass. But the issue that you've had in this last season is you were waiting for the season to come and it wasn't coming. But the Lord says the season has now come. The page has turned. The chapter ends because I'm releasing you out of that, out of the mud, because there was a season where it wasn't mud, but all of a sudden it became muddy. And you were going, what the heck happened? How did we reach this place where once it was easy to walk, but now it's become mud? But the Lord says that season's coming to a close and I'm going to put you on green grass. I'm taking you to a Psalm 23 where you're going to have an opportunity to rest and where the enemy had assailed you, now he's going to have to watch you eat, says the Lord. All right, back to the word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I can preach again. He just does that sometimes. The second thing that happened with Moses here is they had a prayer support group. Two people came alongside of him, Aaron and her. It says, And Aaron and her stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. There is nothing more powerful than a people who can pray together. 
That is why we emphasize corporate prayer on Saturday mornings so much because it is the engine of the church. And I will preach that till my dying day when I go to see glory because I know revival doesn't happen without prayer. Transformation doesn't happen without prayer. Cities are not taken without prayer. Battles are not won without prayer. And if you don't pray, you're out of the will of God. I'm going to make that as clear as I can get. I'm going to confront a thing that I have not confronted because I have have just not felt the Lord to do it, but I'm going to confront something this morning. If you don't pray, you are out of the will of God. And I'm going to say it as plain as I can get because if you don't pray, that means you don't talk to the Father. And that means you are not in relationship with the Father that you so boldly proclaim as your Father. You are an orphan spirit and you're operating under an Egypt mentality because you've given up hope and you're walking in disappointment because you feel like your prayer hasn't been answered. But let me tell you something this morning. The battle that you want to win will only be won if you get into the place of prayer. It is in communication with the Father. And let me tell you something. Some of you who are like, yeah, our church is going to have revival. How often do you pray for it? Yeah, I want to see souls saved. What are you doing about it? Get to corporate prayer. I'm going to tell you like it is this morning. If you don't know how to pray and you can't get up on a Saturday morning and get to corporate prayer, you need to adjust your life. Hallelujah. Matthew 18, 18, 19 says this, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. Let me say this this morning. I have often left my needs to pray for other needs, and God takes care of my needs. Because what I have found is when I can let go of what I'm carrying and pick up His burden, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. We get so inwardly, God, I just want my baby to get saved. I start praying for these babies. God, I just need my finances to turn around. God, I thank you that you're going to turn the church finances around. I shift my focus. One of the things I began to do a long time ago is that when I was going through a financial difficulty, especially in the church, I'd begin to sow into other prosperous churches in town. Why would I do that? Why would I sow into another place that, number one, doesn't know me, and number two, if they did, they wouldn't agree with my doctrine, and number three, they would ridicule my theology because they walk in something I don't. They obviously have an influence I don't have yet. So I began to sow, and I would watch as God would turn things around. Because if they're winning souls for Jesus, I'm all about it. I don't care if they speak in tongues. They're winning souls to Jesus. Another sinner has repented and is coming into the kingdom of God. Yes, we might be a revival, Pentecostal, charismatic, Holy Spirit-filled, whatever kind of church we are. We have all sorts of labels. Prophetic, apostolic, Pentecostal, this, that. I don't care. I really don't because we're going to do what we do with what we're called to do and what our mandate is, but I'm going to bless them in their mandate. Now, I make jokes about Baptists speaking in tongues and Church of Christ playing instruments, but it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, I celebrate their victories. And what I began to realize years ago is, Pastor Hector and Susanna, come here, is when I began to stand alongside people and I began to hold up their hands, what's happening to mine? 
mine are up too. So in holding up someone else's hands, my hands are now lifted. So my battle begins to get won because I'm warring for someone else's battle. And what is my focus? My focus is not on what my arms are doing. My focus is on keeping their arms up because that's what I'm called to. Because what I have to begin to realize is that when I can keep someone else's arms up, my arms are automatically up. And my battles begin to get won. That's why prayer is so important. That's why corporate prayer is so important. Because in lift, yes, will my arms get a little tired? Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? As I begin to get tired, what did they begin to realize? Oh, I can help him too. And if we work together, we, we all keep our arms up. That's key in this season. If we want revival, we've got to link arms. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is the confidence which we have before Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked for. When I was going to Bible school years ago, my little group of friends, we, we'd get together on Friday nights. and We'd go to, to, to our, our Friday night service up at Bethel. And afterwards... We'd always get Chinese food. I had no money, so they always paid for me. Hallelujah. That's how I ate on Friday nights. And I'd only eat half of it, so I'd have lunch on Saturday. But after we'd eat and we'd have some fun, we'd pray. We'd pray till 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. And then we'd get up on Saturday mornings and we'd go to the healing rooms. And we'd serve in the healing rooms. And we'd see cancer disappear. And we'd see all sorts of miracles happen every single Saturday. I'll never forget, there was a little girl who came in. She was born with one big toe and no other toes. And so she had to wear this prosthetic because she had no balance on that side because she didn't have her toes to keep her balanced. Never forget this. I said, what are you wanting Jesus to do today? She goes, I just want to be a ballerina. She was like seven years old. Like seven years, I just want to be a ballerina. She wouldn't take her shoe off because she was so embarrassed. So I started praying for her. And she goes, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. I said, what? <laughs> I don't want to hurt her. And she goes, I got to take off my shoe. I got to take off my shoe. I got to take it off. She took off her shoe and there were four brand new toes. Four brand new toes. The night previously, Friday night, I was so stressed out because tuition was due on Monday. So stressed out. I was trying to figure out what I could do to make some money to make my tuition payment on Monday. I was stressed out about that. I could go down the list of everything. But I had determined Friday night, we're going to press in for revival. We're going to press in to see miracles. We're going to press in to see you do something, God. We're going to press in. So here's what happened. Prayed for this little girl. Fingers, I mean toes, grew out. Monday morning, we didn't have school on Monday, and the, the school office was closed on Mondays. But the finance coordinator called me Monday morning. And she said, Jacob, I, I don't normally come in on Mondays, but I got an email that I needed to come in uh, to settle something on your account. I said, well, I didn't do anything. <laughs> and she said, so I came up here because I knew you were really stressed, and you had talked to me on Friday that you didn't have the money to make your payment, and I was going to have to miss school that week because if you didn't make your payment, you couldn't go to school. I mean, it wouldn't let you sign in. And if you got three absences, you got kicked out. I mean, the whole, whole shebang. And she said, your tuition's now paid through April. She says, you only have two payments left after that. I said, really? 
She goes, do you know who did this? I said, no. And she said the name. I said, I've never heard that name in my life. She said, well, I just wanted to give you a good Monday. I said, you gave me a great Monday. (laughs) But I had determined on Friday. I wasn't going to focus on my situation. I was going to lift the hands of someone else. And when Aaron and her lifted Moses' hands, the battle was won. Because the Bible says that when his hands would fall, they would lose. There was so much I learned about in those days about learning to surrender to the Holy Spirit's movements and praying together does more than you could imagine. Here's this verse, Leviticus 26, 7 through 8. None of you spend a lot of time in Leviticus, do you? There's some good verses in here. It says, Leviticus 26, 7 through 8. You will be victorious over your enemies. Five of you will be able to defeat a hundred, and a hundred will be able to defeat ten thousand. Come on with that. Unity, praying together, warring together, has a supernatural dimension to it. What you are unable to overcome on yourself with partners in prayer, it is like an amplification of spiritual impact. As I close this morning, this verse, five of you will be able to defeat a hundred. And a hundred will be able to defeat ten thousand. That's not just double. That's huge increase beyond what is normal and expected. We jump down to verse 13, Exodus 17, 13. And Joshua discomfited. I chose the King James for this this verse here. That word discomfited. That one says defeated. This word discomfited in the King James. This is what it means. It means to remove from the place of rulership and obliterate. So I'm going to read it in context. And Joshua removed, removed from the place of rulership, removed from the place of authority, and obliterated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. So not only did God say, write down what happened. He said, rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. Pastor Hector, come here again. Joshua, when we came to Amalek, you discomfited them because I stood on the mountain with Aaron and her and we prayed for your victory. Joshua, You're about to face another battle. But I want you to remember what happened with Amalek. I'm going to stand on the mountain and pray, and you're going to defeat the enemy. Joshua, we're going to work together in this, because remember what happened at Amalek. Joshua, you're facing an enemy bigger than our armies, but I want you to remember what happened at Amalek. Hector, when you came to America, you couldn't afford to go through your Ph.D. But let me remind you that God paid it in full with no debt to your name. Hector, when you're facing this next season of your life where your, your, your issues are bigger than your ability, let me remind you what God did when you came to America. Hector, when you're going to be gone for five weeks and you're worried about your place, let me, remember, let me remind you that when you came to America, rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. Rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly 
There's that word discomfited again. Put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. You can sit down. Remember that verse we talked about last week? I think we talked about it last week. Otherwise, one of my favorite verses in Exodus where it says, The enemies you see today, you will never see again. God's looking to obliterate the enemies that have been plaguing your life for years. Here, the children of Israel had been in bondage for 400 years. Never again would they see the Egyptians. Never. When God says never, He means what He says. He discomfited. And it says, And Moses built an altar, and I am closing, and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. That means the Lord is my banner. For he said, because the Lord hath sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek. I'm not going to have to fight it again. The Lord is my banner of victory. You're about to come out of a season. I'm prophesying to you this morning. You're coming out of a battle with an enemy where the Lord will be your banner of victory, where you will never face that enemy again because he's going to remove him from his place of rulership and obliterate him. The battle's on, y'all. The battle is on. Cast yourself upon the rock. You know what is so incredible about that? We think that we have to war. Moses took a seat and he lifted his hands and the battle was won. I don't come in here and now there's times where I get to warfare. There's time for warfare prayer. Most of the time I sit and I lift my hands and I thank him for the battle that he's already won. And I declare what his word says. Because my enemy's already been defeated. Do I have to war with some devils sometimes? Yeah. But more often than not, I sit from my place of victory. The Bible says we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. The Bible also says that he makes intercession on our behalf. So if Christ can be seated in his intercession, so can you. Stand this morning. In this way, Joshua totally, totally defeated the Amalekites. This morning, two things. If you're in this room this morning, you've never surrendered your life to Christ. You've never repented of your sin. You've never chosen to follow Him. I want to give you that opportunity. Maybe years ago, you prayed a prayer, but there's a distance between you and God now. I want to give you an opportunity to run back to your Father this morning. A couple things that you need to do. In just a moment, we're going to pray together. But if you're in this room this morning and you're saying, I want to follow Jesus fully. I want to make Him Lord. I want to surrender every part of my life to Him. If you're watching my live stream this morning and you've never made a decision for Christ, this is the most important decision we make. The second is following through with it. But if that's you this morning, you've never made a decision for Christ, I want you to lift your hand. Maybe you're recommitting your life this morning. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand. See those hands. 
We're going to pray together, church. Let's pray together this morning. Jesus, I repent of all my sin. I give it all to you. I surrender. Be my banner. Be my Lord. You are my Savior. I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Or visit www.equippingchurch.us.